on the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. There it is, Adam Scott. Expect anything different? Brilliant. What an up and down that was. In your life have you seen anything like that? Welcome to the clubhouse. Yeah, good everyone and welcome to the clubhouse. Great to have your company right across Australia as we talk all things golf each and every week. Mark Allen. Julian Bayard with you. Hey, Marco. It's good to be uh, in the studio with you. Hey, Jules. After a win from a kid, what? a good win. What about that? Uh, very, very nice to see Cameron Smith win a tournament. I want to talk about the circumstance in which well. you win a tournament. <laughs> yeah. But I will say this. Any time in the team's event when the winning shots or important strokes in as far as winning the tournament, yep. he was the man. Jonas Blix, lovely player. Yep. I think he led a Masters at the halfway point at one stage, yeah. at some stage uh, in his career. But he was a deer in the headlights when it came time to winning this thing. And Cameron Smith, he stood up, which was fantastic. So we'll talk about that in a tick. Yeah, and we never like to see an Australian potentially miss out on winning a big tournament by a bloke chipping in. No, that mate, before. that was wrong. <laughs> How about that? Was it Kizri? Uh, Kizri? Yeah. Uh, Kazaya? We don't like that. Mate. We've had, we've had that enough. That was going 30 feet past. Yeah. <laughs> 30, 30 feet past. How about the commentary from uh, oh, Nick Feller? Yeah. Like a rut going down the drain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, for goodness sakes. Any other person in Australia hits the flag like that ball hit the flag, it doesn't go in. No. They've got special flags over there on the US tour. You can hit that flag as hard as you <laughs> well, like. they're made out of those flags, Marco. Well, I imagine they're made out of fiberglass. Yeah, but they're different. Because no, how many times have you hit the flag? Here in Australia, and it just it ricochets oh, into the bunker. Did it last Saturday? Hit this beautiful <laughs> putt on the seventeenth, and it was going straight in. It's going to hit the thing. It would have only gone three foot past, yeah. so that one should go. Yeah. Bang, stayed on the lip. Never ever do they go in. No. I wonder why that is. Yeah. You know, what? I think there, there's a bit of an angle on the tour pins. I know that. I remember it because mm. yeah, you know, a lot of the courses that hold a tournament, they don't actually go ahead and use the same pins that they do Monday to Friday. Yep. They actually use special tournament flags. They're seven foot tall, and that's the standard. So I think when they say seven foot tall, it's seven foot tall above the ground. So it's yeah. probably seven and seven foot and six inches, probably mm-hmm. or whatever. However, whatever the depth of the golf hole is, I imagine it's six. So yeah. seven and a half feet. Um, I implore every single golf course to go into petty cash. <laughs> And to buy these flags, <laughs> go and get them. Yeah. It's important, you know. It's it's important to the look of your golf course as well. It is. How about when you go to a golf club for the first time ever, and you get there, and the flags are these skinny little rotten fiberglass fishing yeah. rods that yeah. they found out the back, yeah. and the actual flags, they're just you know they've been sitting on that flagpole for six months. Yeah. They're filthy. People have been washing their ball on the flag. I said that when I was a kid. Don't yeah. do that, kids. It's disgusting. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, it works. (laughs) It does work. What's that? Is there, this is a a real basic amateurish question, Mark. Yeah, go on. Different colored flags. Yeah. Some some courses put a different colored flag on if the the holes at the front, the center, or the back of the green. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, I love that. In America, they're big, red, white, and blue. Yeah. So red's at the front, white's Mm -hmm. in the middle, and blue is all the way back. Yeah, I love those systems. And anything. Why don't we do that everywhere? That should just be a. Basic oh, thing, shouldn't it? Because, Jules, that's extra work for the people to oh, do it. Like, yeah, but... You know, the other stuff that I would love, there's a bit of a push at, at my club as well, uh, just on Saturdays, to have the white paint around the edge of the holes. Just those little things yes. to make you around the golf a little bit more special than it already a, would be. That's a good call. You know, you see it, does that feel? Yeah, you see, it, you see it 
in the big tournaments. Yeah. You see it on the big trade days. You know, if, you, if your golf club has a big trade day, you see it. Some clubs in America put the white paint on around the edge of the hole every single day. Yeah. Um, but, you know, most clubs, even if it's just the monthly medal, even if it's just qualifying for the club championship, if it's a board event, mm-hmm. at the very least, if it's a board event, the paint should be on the holes yep. just to make it a special day. You know, you double cut the greens. We understand that. The fairways get looked after. Uh, you've probably got a team of the grounds crew going around and fixing up the, the, the pitch marks. Mm-hmm. They've probably got a roll on Thursday and Friday to make them nice and firm for that. It's but just things. to put a little bit of – and it's most people wouldn't notice thing. those things. Just to put a little cream on a beautiful board-type day. And this is for the girls as well. They've got board events also. Yep. Don't forget the girls. A little bit of paint around the outskirts of the hole. It does make it feel like it's yeah. game day. Yeah. As far as golf's concerned, like which is great. But the little things. The little things, the little things. The little things are very important. Yeah. Extremely important. Yeah. It's like when you used to play local footy, Marco, and you go to a ground and they had the nice sort of 50-meter arc paint. There you there, go. Rather than just playing on a suburban ground with a center square. Exactly. You know? it's, it's exactly it's that type of things. stuff. It's exactly that type of stuff where um, members and committees and presidents and captains can spoil their membership every once in a while, which is just fantastic. How do we get onto this? <laughs> I don't know. How did we but get speaking, onto this? Speaking, you mentioned your local club. Yeah. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Because there was an article this week, a little whisper column in the Herald Sun. The yes. Paper, uh, where they just talk about rumors and whatnot. Well, the 2019 President's Cup. And the, the article said this. Was right. down the two courses. We hear noses are out of joint at Kingston Heath with word filtering out that they've been beaten to the punch to host the 2019 President's Cup by rivals, Mm. Royal Melbourne. Right. Well, rivals is a good term. They've got so much land, Royal Melbourne. They've got two courses and they actually own Sandringham Golf Club, which is a a public golf course directly opposite the main gate at Royal Melbourne. Not a bad track either. Fantastic. I played there two weeks ago. One of the great true public courses. In Australia. It's so different Sandringham. front nine and back nine. Yeah. It's actually unbelievable. <laughs> Once upon a time, some of those holes were, in fact, Royal Melbourne's golf holes mm. a long time ago. Really? So Yeah. So Royal Melbourne, they've actually got three courses. Yep. So that's why where the infrastructure is unbelievable. Apparently, um, what, are they, what are they called? You know, the, the conta- ship, shipping containers? Apparently, for a President's Cup, 70 shipping containers arrive. Really? You've got to park them somewhere. <laughs> you can't just go to and from the docks. It's like the 18th at Sandringham. There's just going to have shipping containers up and down. Well, I think what normally happens <laughs> is they all go on the practice range at Royal Melbourne. So right. that beautiful practice range yeah, turns into yep. um, the – it turns into – what do you call it? Uh, it's where everyone gathers. They um, they call it something in the Grand Prix as well. It's like the yard. So yeah. it's all the corporate facilities, all the food, everything is a driving range. And I think last time by memory I can remember – that's where they stacked all the containers as well. And then they go across to Sandringham for the car parking and also the driving range for all the players. Right. Very hard to compete with Royal Melbourne. One, it's a top 10 golf course in the whole world. Royal, uh, by the way, Kingston Heath number 20, last time the rankings were done. Yep. But they just don't have the infrastructure that Royal Melbourne does. Now, there was talk of Kingston Heath getting some land across Kingston Road, which is on the other side of the uh, main entrance, uh, kind of opposite the first green. Mm-hmm. If you if you know Kingston Heath, there's a first green goes down the uh, goes down Kingston Road. Opposite that, there's some land across there. That's I think it's a um, landfill type mm-hmm. area. There was talk that perhaps Kingston Heath was going to get that. Now, if they got that, there's your place to put all the containers. There's your place to maybe even build a driving range uh, when the big tournaments are held, and then you can turn other bits and pieces into 
uh, where the TV broadcasts from and, you know, the village for mm-hmm. all the patrons who come down and watch the golf. Um, but as far as I know, and being a member of Kingston Heath, there's been no announcement that that land is now Kingston Heath's. So, so that's what costs them. I, I think so. I mean, right. I reckon Royal Melbourne is, it's my favourite golf course. You know, the, the composite course. Will they play composite? Oh, yeah, have to. Yeah. The, the, the other two courses, you actually go across the road yes. a number of times. Yes. So it, it's just, it's amazing how it worked out. Yeah. For people who've never been to Royal Melbourne, on the west course, I think you cross the road about four times. <laughs> um, and on the east course, five or six times. It's the way I remember it anyway. But you, you, you certainly cross a lot of roads. Um, and once upon a time, if they played a tournament at Royal Melbourne, they either played the east or the west. Yeah. Australian PGA was once held on the west course, mm. on, on the east course. So they've, they've held. But then they said, well, it's getting a little bit dangerous, all, all the crossing spectators the crossing the, the road all the time. It's a bit of a hassle that the players actually have to wait for the traffic to stop, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So they decided to have a look on the main paddock at Royal Melbourne and make a golf course of – and. They, they strung this 18 holes together where not only every six holes that had come back to the old pro shop, which is, you know, a dream because, mm. you know, following golf, you can just go and watch a group for six holes and then you're back next to the clubhouse. You could you could actually watch them start six holes, then come back <laughs> to the clubhouse, have a bit of lunch, yeah, and then go back out and watch the last six holes. Yeah. I mean, it was a it's yeah. a dream set up, yeah. the composite course, and the way it used to be played, you know, with the one first hole being the first of the West and the 18th hole being... 18 west, and I think about the fourth hole was about the 13th. So you you play it the right way around. It's almost the best course in the world. Yeah, and the, even the Americans. I mean, the, Greg Norman forever and a day said it's his favourite golf course mm-hmm. ever. Um, when the Americans come, they all say the same thing. If this golf course was in America, it's in the top three of the world. Yeah, they say that. Fred Couples, you know, Davis Love the third. Everybody who comes down. So it, it is my favourite track. But in saying that. A nice little change up to have it just down the road at Kingston Heath. But look, if they don't have the infrastructure, they don't have the infrastructure. That is the only reason yep. that they probably wouldn't have it at Kingston Heath, mm-hmm. in my view, uh, which is unfortunate. Unfortunate for the members of Kingston Heath. But believe me, having a tournament at Royal Melbourne, you know, it's a dream for everybody. I mean, people will come down to have a look at Royal Melbourne. People will now come down and, you know, Kingston Heath might have lost that, but there'll be thousands of internationals coming oh, yeah. down and want, wanting to play at Kingston Heath and yep. Metropolitan and Victoria and Commonwealth and Huntingdale and Yarra Yarra and yeah. Peninsula will be flying by then, oh. which by all accounts is the new well, Royal we, Melbourne. I want to talk to you about that soon too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, we, we, you and I are going to go down and, and have yes. a look for ourselves. We, we, you and I will get a tour. Yep. Mike Clayton will take us around. Yep. And uh, we'll have a look at this place because the, what the job that Clayton Ogilvy uh, Cocking and me to doing mm-hmm. down at, at Peninsula and the new clubhouse. Yep. Uh, don't be surprised if big tournaments aren't held really? at Peninsula one that, day. That good. That good. Wow. Yeah. It, it, un- ridiculous. Yeah. And the pure distinction greens. Mm. I told you the story about the pure distinction greens. I don't think you have. They were looking for a new green type, uh, new grass. You know, they can pretty much do whatever. And they're at Augusta. And they're having a look on the practice green <laughs> at Augusta. And they said, have it, you know, because even at Augusta, they have little patches, you know, where it just doesn't quite look the same as everything else. They said, imagine if we could get it all like that. Mm. They said, well, of course we can't, just take some. So they got their tweezers out and just picked a few bits off, took it back somewhere and created this strain of bent grass <laughs> called Pure Distinction. Now, everybody who has been there, including me, they are 
the best putting surface ever, without wow. doubt. Wow. By a mile. Augusta will get them soon. That, nothing sure. It looks fake. It looks like carpet. Mm. And what's even better, uh, the, there used to be a grass called Egmont that was going to take over, but Egmont didn't creep. It just grew straight up. Growing straight up actually made them nice and too slow as well. Yeah, right. This grass is a creeping grass. It looks ridiculous. It, uh, how, how fast and hard are we talking? Oh, it's standard. You standard, know, running, yeah. you get them at whatever speed you like. Yeah. But the best, the best news is they, they tolerate heat mm-hmm. and they will thrive in Melbourne conditions. Yep. Down here in Victoria, you know, mm-hmm. cold. Not super cold, but certainly thrive. They grow all year round. There's no slowdown. Yeah. Um, and they creep. The most important thing is you get a grass to creep because if you get a pitch mark, if there's a scratch on the green, once they core the greens every once in a while, you need that grass to creep across. Yep. And fill up the holes. And this is a creeping grass that just looks ridiculous. Looking forward to heading down there, Marco. We're going to do that with Mike Clayton. And we might even do it with uh, uh, with Michael Cocking as well, yep. former Victorian amateur champ. Yep. Or if we really hit the jackpot, Jeff Ogilvy is a big part of it. Maybe he'll <laughs> maybe you'll wander down. Maybe he'll show us around. around. Yep. Put the call out. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, still plenty more to come on the clubhouse today. We're going to talk second part of what we talked about last week with our putting masterclass. We can do that next. We should. We do. We'll do that next. And well. we want to talk about the players' championship and some scheduling of majors as well. We'll, yep. we'll get to that. Stick around. A break. We'll be back. The clubhouse right after this. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to the clubhouse. Welcome back. It is the clubhouse right around Australia. My name's Julian Bayard. Mark Allen is here as well, ex to a pro. Uh, you know, best teacher in golf on radio, Marco. Now, last week. Mm. If you're listening, and if you didn't miss, if you didn't hear Part what one. we talked about, we were talking about putting and how to fix your putting. So a lot of people out there probably should go back and listen to this. Well, well yeah, go back to the last episode. Yep. Um, we podcast it every week, so you'll find it on iTunes. But just a real brief one. Yep. A lot of people try to be too exact mm. is what we were trying to say last week. They're so exact once they hit off the first hole. Yep. And instead of just doing what they do on the practice green, which is just basically plonking their which feet down. Which is where you hit your best parts. That's exactly right. You, ba- you basically know the line. Plonk your feet down, you plonk the putter down behind the ball, and you react to the line and the mm. distance of the hole. Yeah, and that's all to do with backswing length and blah blah blah. So we, we yep. spoke about that last week. It's very very important. And just again, a little bit of a refresher before we go on, because today part two is you're in the club championships. Yes, and your hands are shaking. Yeah, or. Here you are. This is a chance for you to break par for the first time yep. in your life. Or you're sitting on 39 points going up 18. That's exactly right. And <laughs> your hands are shaking. Or, you yep. know, maybe it's the first time you're going to break 100. Maybe it's the first yep. time you break 80. Maybe it's the first time you're going to try and qualify for the C-grade club championship. Mm-hmm. And you need the par the last hole. Yep. And you put the putter down behind the ball and it's shaking. But, look, those things won't really happen until you get a grip on how to, how to get there in the first place. That's right. Um, and, again... Bob was saying last week, if you are, if you try to be too exact once you get out there on the course, then you, you tighten up. And once you tighten up, you're gone. Mm-hmm. So you try to copy what you do on that practice screen when things are going really well. And then sometimes on the golf course, you've got to relax even more than you probably were on the putting green. You've got to make yourself do it to How kind do you of do that? define the balance. Yep. Well, a lot of that's to do with breathing as well. Yep. So. If you're finding yourself in – you, you now have got a, a situation where you're trying to qualify for a club championship or you're qualifying for a Vic Open or maybe you're in the Vic Open and you need to hold a six foot on the last to make the cut. It's the first cut you're ever going to make. A lot of the time you look down, and I've, I've seen this a few times where you know I've had big putts in the last hole to finish fifth or sixth and yeah. the difference between money to a young struggling pro can be thirty and forty and 50000 bucks. That's right. Uh, when you add in the bonuses. So 
I've been in a situation a number of times where the putter is 100%. You look down and no matter how relaxed you try and be, no matter how many times you breathe through your nose deeply and out through the mouth, and that is to quell the adrenaline that goes through your body and just to settle yourself down. The breathing exercises are the most important thing mm. when uh, when you're shaking. But here's the thing. If you know you're going to be nervous, don't wait until you are nervous to start doing the breathing exercises. So, for instance, you're on the 17th hole and you've just held a 10-footer for birdie, and now you know that you're in position to do something special on the last hole by either paring it or whatever. Yep. That's when we start doing it. You know you're going to be nervous in about 10 minutes on that putting green. <laughs> yeah. Don't start doing the breathing exercises. So preempt it. Yeah. Don't, you, you, absolutely. So don't start doing it when you're standing over the putt going, no. oh, a couple of deep breaths here. Oh, yeah. Well, this is going to fix everything. <sighs> right. Yeah. Which, which is a reaction for a lot of people. Yeah. You've actually got to know when you are going to be nervous. And, you know, be, be playing golf and understanding those situations, you can do it. So, again, you've just held a 10-footer on the 17th hole. And now you you know you might have part win the, the, the club championship on the last. Now you're starting to get real nervous, so that's when you need to start doing it. Not for preparation, not not for the tee shot or anything else, because we're talking about the putting. So you start breathing deeply in through the nose, deep ones out through the mouth. You feel like an idiot. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. because you look over and you, you you know whoever you're playing, they'll probably start doing it as well. So the preparation for quelling that. Uh, nervous energy that goes through your body that you're trying desperately to get out starts early. Once you get there, the temptation when the putter is shaking is to hold it firm so that it stops shaking. Don't hold it firm. You've just got to let it shake. And in actual fact, what some of the best players, you, you'll see this on broadcast now that you know what to look for. When they do a close-up of the putter head and the ball, you'll see that the putter is always moving. Now, it's not a shake. It's a bounce. It's a tiny little bounce. So if you hold the putter lightly, you've done your breathing exercises. The next thing, and this is really important, the bounce the putter, one, you're not trying to be exact. Yep. So it's one thing it does. Mm-hmm. But two, you're not sitting there stiff with a really tight grip, and then you've got to start this beautiful flowing backstring, back backstroke. It's not going to work. Yeah. So the best putters that I've ever seen, particularly when they close up, Greg Norman was a ripper. And, he, you know, a lot of people say he's a bad putter. I promise you, you're not number one for 331 weeks <laughs> if you are a poor putter. Greg Norman was a beautiful putter. Yep. He used to bounce the club. A bloke I caddy for, David Ferrity, who now is, you know, the, probably the yeah. most famous commentator in America he these days. He showed me the bouncing. He was a big bouncer and he was the most beautiful. He, he couldn't hit the ball. He he was the most beautiful putter yeah. I'd ever seen. And he used to bounce this old acutionet and he would bounce it and bounce it and bounce it. And I asked him when I was, why do you do that? And he goes, well, if I get really nervous, mm-hmm. I hate looking down and at the putter head and seeing it shake. Yep. So if I bounce it on purpose and hold it lightly, then you know it just gets rid that. of it. Yeah, yeah. You, you know you're doing it. Yeah. Uh, but I've, I think as well that – and when we're talking about bouncing the putter, folks, it's a one millimetre bounce. Yeah, we're not talking you no. tapping it down a divot. It's not going up and down <laughs> over the ball. No, it's not. It's a tiny little bounce. And you're doing it on purpose. And, yep. and you can only do it if you're holding the club lightly. So if you do both, yeah. you actually only ever have to think about one. But if you get into the habit of doing this when you're not under pressure as well, it's a, it's a big factor because mm. you'll find yourself, you'll get under pressure and then the bounce is already ingrained in your pre-shot routine. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff, and this is, you know, golfers laugh at footballers because of what they do in front of yeah. goal. A lot of the stuff that we practice 
we practice knowing that we're going to be in this pressure situation where you have to hold a six-foot putt. You have to. Yeah. So it'd be like, you know, the footballers, they should be practicing their kicking a goal. Like one day, the final siren has blown, the, ha- the ball is in their hand, and they have to nail it. Yeah. I, I don't think footballers practice for that situation. No. I think they practice just to get through kicking practice. I think they just do it for the sake of it. Golfers don't. We prepare for that situation the where you might moment. have a 10-footer. So even when we're not nervous, even when we're just messing around before, we are bouncing yep. in preparation for that nervous time. So part one, part two together, it's really simple. Take note of what you are doing on the driving, on the practice putting green before you play when you're holding all those beautiful putts. You're not trying to be exact with the feet. You're not trying to be exact with the putter face. You're not trying to be exact with the length of the line. It's very much a reflex to everything. You've got to take that onto the golf course when you know, you've got a pencil and a scorecard in your back pocket when the pressure's on. But the other thing is too, get that bouncing and soft grip pressure into your natural strokes now when you're not nervous yeah. in preparation for when you are nervous. Like it. And whatever you do, whatever you do, if you know you're about to be nervous, <laughs> don't wait until you are nervous to do the breathing exercises. Yep. Start doing the breathing exercises well before that point. Mm. And you'll find you'll just get better at playing under pressure. Yeah. Just relax. I just like relax, it. dude. It's good advice, Marco. It's good advice. And yeah. people out there, because I I get eternally frustrated with my own putting mm. because you, see, you you might be having a great round yeah, and you might have a 10-footer on the last yeah, and you just go, well, even if I don't make this, I want to just put it close enough to make sure that I yeah, that's right. get up and down a two-putt for par on the last and you might be on 38 points or whatever and you want to have a 40-pointer yeah, and then you end up just lagging it down there. You go, oh, what am I doing? Or you right. smash it past or you leave it halfway short. But yeah. if you can just control your nerves and yeah. be able to get that putt right, it's just yeah, Absolutely. And pressure. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is when I tell amateurs and when I used to teach a lot, I used to tell them about the bounce and bouncing the putter face and they felt like they couldn't line it up. It's like, don't worry about it not being able to line it up exactly on the practice putting green. Don't worry about that. You are doing this. Well, that time when you yeah. need the 10-footer to have 44 points. Yeah. This is what you're doing it for. Yep. You're not, you know, and learn to do it that way. Um, it just works. The best players in the world have been doing it, not just recently. They've been doing it for 50 or 60 years. Yep. They practice in preparation of hitting that shot, that putt, that chip, under the most enormous practice uh, pressure yep. that they can imagine. That's why they do these things in technique. And that's why even when they're not under pressure, they still bounce the putter head. They still probably do their breathing exercise. They, they still do it. Yep. It's just part of preparation for that one moment when you really need it. All right, we're going to get to a break, Marco. We want to talk about the Players' Championship after this. Yeah, let's do that. There's some scheduling of majors and where things are going to move to. Yeah, there could be a bit of a shuffle. Yep. Let's talk about this next on The Clubhouse. Stick around. In your life have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse. Welcome back. It is The Clubhouse right around Australia. Julian Bayard, Mark Allen with you a little bit earlier on. In case you did miss it, uh, Marco's masterclass putting yips. Go back pressure. and have a listen. Have a listen back. If you did miss it, the podcast, uh, The Clubhouse on iTunes. Just search for The Clubhouse Golf Show and you'll find it. Too easy. Hey, Players' Championship Week. Uh, it's a big one. Ooh. Been the fifth major for a long time. I still think it'll be a major at some stage. Officially be a major? I think so. Yeah. Well, the girls have got six majors. <laughs> Well, so some years they have five, some years they have six. Yep. They started off with four. So, it, it, you know, that organisation. Jason Day famously said last year it'll get him into the Hall of Fame. 
Yeah, that's probably right too. Mm. It probably it, it probably will. Yeah. Having a players' championship and a PGA, mm. he's probably in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Done and dusted. Yeah. But it's such a good tournament. It's such. You know, we all know the holes. There's been a few changes this week. That's going to be interesting to see how the players react to the changes. But normally, you know, at a golf course like this, um, everyone gives it the thumbs up because it's it's different. It's not like your old classical golf course. Mm. It's a fun place to play. I, I got to play it one year, and from the moment you go through the gates, all you're thinking about is 17, the <laughs> Island Green. From the, the second you hit off that first hole, yep. all you're thinking about is that 17th. You get on the 16th tee, uh, and you hit your drive, and then you can see it. And your whole focus is around this 17th hole. It's yeah. a very strange way. Um, if you ever get the chance to play it, yeah. it makes you, I mean, you've got to have a caddy when you go around. They're called, they're called four caddies. So they actually just, they're employed just to keep the fours going and moving around the course. Yeah, I don't but, mind that. But they're also, they're also. <laughs> we could do with some of them in Australia. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, they're also storytellers as well. So really? they know all the stories. Yeah. And when you fill out the form afterwards about, you know, what, what do you think of your caddy? Mm. It says, yeah, you know, it's keeping the ball clean, tick. Uh, kept the clubs clean, tick. Stories. Stories. <laughs> tick. Tick. You know, <laughs> was he telling you some good stories? There's a story, one of the holes, I don't know which one it is, it might have been the 11th, 10th or the 11th, where um, uh, the designer, I think it's Trent Jones, uh, a tractor got bogged. They couldn't get it out. So they said stuff it and they just put a mound over it. And there's a mound in the middle of nowhere and that is actually a tractor it's in a tractor there. Underneath. There's a tractor Underneath it, no they said, "Oh, stuff it. We can't get it out. It's an old tractor." So, that, you know, so they're, they're, dumb soil they're telling it. you stuff like that, <laughs> which is which is fabulous. You know, it's just great to have somebody who understands all that stuff. But uh, there's two courses there. Don't even bother about the other course. Yeah. Um, I think they played a web.com tour or one of the four series events there. Absolute garbage. Don't even think about yep. playing it. But if you do get a chance to play Sawgrass, TPC Sawgrass. Yep. How many times have you played it? Uh, just once. And. Tell us about 17. Oh, 17? Oh, he's a wedge on the front edge to 10 foot and missed it. Oh, no. Oh, I was so disappointed. <laughs> um, I actually played it with a, a, an older couple who came on the trip to Augusta. And if you're interested in going 2018, .com yes. you, uh We've got a big trip organised. It's going to be fantastic. Um, but this lady called V, Irish lady who lives in Australia, and she got a five-foot out, only 100, 100 metres from there. She got a five-foot out and she ripped it. And it landed on the front edge, and it stopped on the back of the green. Really? And she two putted for a par, <laughs> and it was it was the highlight of the trip almost. Yep. I mean, she was just so happy. Yeah, they must lose some balls in there. Oh, it's, yeah, they they'll tell you that's part of the stories, mate. Yeah. Well, what's it's, it's, how do some people actually finish that hole? Uh, they they just keep on going. They keep on going. They just keep on hitting balls until they get it on the green. Yeah. But, so where's the drop zone? I can't remember off the top of my head where the drop oh, zone is. Oh, there's a whole bunch of tees. Yeah. So, you know, there's the men's tee, which is only about 130, for 130 metres yep. around there from the very backs. Mm -hmm. The pros don't even hit from the very backs. They hit yep. from everywhere. And then there's the ladies' tee, and then there's the seniors' tee, and then there's the kids' tee. Yeah. Right around the side. And I yeah. think you actually drop on the kids' tee okay. if you want to. So there, there is a drop zone. Yeah. I mean, if they didn't have the drop zone, <laughs> you would just basically have to keep on hitting yeah. from the tee. Can you imagine <laughs> Which isn't a bad option. I mean, it's not a bad option, but, but there's be some slow when, rounds you, when you get there and there's no pressure, you actually wonder how anyone can ever miss this green because it's quite big. It's yeah, not, it's not you know, it's not as, like this little studio that we're in. Mm. It's quite a big green, and at the time, like when I hit the show, I thought, how does anyone miss it? <laughs> but you know, when they're playing for the most money, it's the biggest mm. purse. Yeah, you know, it's the strongest field. 
the focus because of the 12th, uh, because of 17, 17. is enormous. Mm. Um, and then, you know, once you get through 17, 18 is a ridiculous golf hole where basically the left-hand side of the fairway all the way mm. from T to green is this enormous lake. Yeah. So it's a, it's an amazing place to play. The clubhouse is the greatest clubhouse in the whole world. It's so big. Really? Oh, you think you're going to the Queen's house. It, I mean, it, is, it is just <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but there is a push to get it back where it used to be, which was it used to be two weeks before Augusta. Do you know why they moved it? Greg Norman played there one year and won it and said, yeah, I love coming here. It's a great warm-up for Augusta. And the PGA didn't like the sound of that. Really? So no longer was the Players' Championship a warm-up for anything. Yeah. They just wanted it to be the They wanted it to be daddy. the fifth major. So yeah. what they did, uh, Augusta was always in April. Uh, then May was clear, and then June became the U.S. Open. So they moved it from two weeks before to right in the middle of May, and they thought that would be a better system. We've got a new commissioner these days, and he doesn't like the U.S. PGA Championship being anywhere near the start of the football season, right. uh, the NFL. So there is talk that the PGA gets moved to May. Mm-hmm. And the Players' Championship gets moved back to where it used to be uh, in March. Right. So you would have March, April, May, June, and that's it. Yep. So you'd have Players' Championship, Augusta, PGA. Then you go to the US Open. Then we finish up with the Open. Mm-hmm. Much stronger. Yeah. Much better. Don't that. Don't and the NFL doesn't get in the way of the PGA. I, I, I actually think, too, that if the PGA gets moved into that slot where it's number three for the year, it won't be thought of as... No, it's just the last one of the year. It's yeah. just the PGA. And it's quite often looked at as though players are just tired. and Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's just an extra one. Absolutely. Onto the end. Plus, it just gives it more scope too. I mean, there was always talk that the US PGA might become the PGA yeah. and move around the world. That's right. And which is what it needs. So April is much better. Mm. You know, if you get it at the end – sorry, May is much better. If, if you get it at the end of summer, then golf courses like – you know, most of the golf courses, even down here in Victoria, are just looking magnificent mm-hmm. at the moment. So it is cooling down, but the course condition is very Still suitable. The, the issue is, if you're going to have a major down here, is no daylight savings at the moment. So yes. they don't have enough light, perhaps, for 156 people in the field. Yeah. So that's the only issue. But, uh, you, know, that, you know, if they if they really wanted to, they could have, uh, they could have that USPGA uh, in February if they yeah. really wanted to. But I don't, look, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think it's a... US, I think it's a Northern Hemisphere major yep. at the very least. But if, like, again, if you put it in April, anything's possible. They anything's could maybe possible. move it around. They could. I'd, I'd love to imagine that. I'd be much better. Put that at Royal Melbourne. If you, if you, if you, <laughs> yeah. It'd be much better. I mean, seriously, if, if golf starts now, yeah. then you have probably Augusta, US Open, yep. Open Championship, mm-hmm. and then you need another one. Yep. And that would be the PGA because PG, PGA is a – yeah, incredible brand, a worldwide yes, brand. Uh, you could have that PGA revolving around the world, which would be just brilliant if yep. they did it that way. Yep. If they did, but they never did. Um, hopefully, it changes one day. It'd be better for golf. And then you got all those, you know, those World Golf Championship events. Yes, all those ones that finish. What they should be in reality. If you're starting again, the Australian Opens one. Yeah. Canadian Opens another. South African Opens another. Japanese China Open. You know, all the biggest Opens. Of countries right around I the world. That idea. Oh, if they were all World Golf Championship events, yeah. What a rotation! What an amazing way to get golf better around delivered right around the world. Yeah. Do you think that the monopoly that the US has on it mm. is bad for golf? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. But look, the World Golf Championships have gone a long way to helping. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And hopefully we get one of those at some stage. Yeah. Like the dream, my dream, yeah. would be that the Australian Masters comes back and that's a World Golf Championship event. That would be brilliant. When? In February, <laughs> lined up with the other four. <laughs> Perth, World Golf Championship event in Melbourne. Yeah. Australian Open the very next week. So hopefully some of those players hang around. Stick around. And then you go up to uh, Queensland. And, you know, the families are around, fly them down and PGA. take them to see the koalas, whatever. <laughs> but if you had those four events all lined up, it would just be brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I've said it a thousand times and I'll say it again. Footy's over in September. Yep. Then we have the horse racing. Mm-hmm. Then the cricket comes. Yep. Then once we're sick of cricket, tennis. the tennis arrives. Big and then once we're sick of the big bash, the test series, the one-dayers and the tennis... February just sticks out like a sore thumb. Doesn't it ever. So just put our big four right there. Golf gets an amazing focus in this country for one full month. Mm -hmm. And the other bit about February, those Western, uh, uh, the West uh, side up there in uh, in the States, um, California tournaments, no one wants to play them. No. You know what it is? It's pro-ams and all that stuff. The pro-ams, the courses are soft. All the better players will say, hmm, down in Australia, hey? Yeah. Pretty nice and warm down there, isn't yes. it? Good golf courses. <laughs> Good warm-ups. I reckon I'll sneak down there and play a few European tour events. Yeah. And maybe, maybe I'll get enough tournaments up to where I can go and play in the Race to Dubai finale as well. Yeah. It makes sense. Just do it. It's one of those things. Just do it. Just get it done. A break. When we just come back, Marco's Masterclass. I don't want to keep harping about it. Just get it done. Stick around. Marco's Masterclass. Yeah, time to get a free golf lesson from Mark Allen each and every week. The last segment on the clubhouse is a golf lesson from Mark Allen, and we do it all for Club at Mandalay Golf Course. Play golf at Club Mandalay. It's uh, golf in Melbourne's north, uh, mm-hmm. just up the road from Melbourne Airport, by the way. Yeah, clubmandalay.com.au. And you can always get 10% off too uh, on us. Just use the code CMGOLF when you book online at clubmandalay.com.au. Mark now, Allen. the best impact position that you want, the best impact positions around the world, the ones that really work, that right arm and right forearm is very close to the left forearm. That's just the way it is. The best players have always had it. Hogan, Tiger, Dustin Johnson at the moment. Mm-hmm. They're at impact. If you stop them at impact, the right forearm is really close to the left forearm. So you know what you do in golf? Why wouldn't you start there? So let's get the right forearm nice and close in. Yep. You know what you do? This is the best bit about this. This is going to fix a lot of pro, a lot of things with one simple tip. Get your right elbow, this is for right-handers, left-handers do the opposite. Get your right elbow in front of your belly button at the start of the golf swing. And then when you make your turn back, your belly button and the point of your right elbow, they don't separate. You've just got to imagine there's a bit of elastic around your elbow and it's stuck to your navel. So once you set your, your, your right elbow at address in front of your navel, everything turns back together and you try and make that bit of elastic, it doesn't stretch too much. The biggest mistake golfers make is that their right elbow gets a million miles away from the navel, a million miles away. And when that happens, it's very hard to get it back into that beautiful impact position. So if you want to fix it, just get that elbow tucked in at a dress, stick it next to your uh, navel, and then when you turn back with your stomach, just keep the right elbow and your navel connected all the way. Don't hit at the ball, hit through the ball. Yep. Two things. Boom. Elbow in, in front of the navel, and hit through the ball. Don't hit at the ball. 
try that this week. Get ready to be happy, folks. Really, really simple. Try see if it works. And the, and the only way, sure the best bit is, the only the only way to do it is that everything has to turn back. Hip yeah. turn. Hip turn is back in business. So that sets your whole first range of movement up. The best place. I wish I could uh, just text you a few. The best place in the world, that right forearm at the top of the golf swing points straight down. Basically yeah. points straight down. The best swingers, the best hitters of the golf ball. Uh, this is a great way of doing it. Peter Thompson was the best at it. Peter Thompson, the most logical golfer <laughs> I've ever seen. Just a clear thinker. Yep. When you watch his setup, right arm, right elbow, right in front of his belly button, and then there's a big hip turn and his right elbow and his belly button, there's not much separation. Then he just hits it, hits through the ball. Yep. Don't hit at the ball, hit through the ball. You'll find yourself imbalanced and repeating. Pretty nice combination. Easy. Easy. How good is golf? How good is Sorry golf? Sorry, still from uh, <laughs> it's a great ad, actually. Dado. <laughs> They're funny ads. I I end up saying, you know, I end up saying the same. Those ads go. How good is golf? Yeah. You end up saying it anyway. Right <laughs> elbow next the to your bl- belly button, folks. The bloke who hits the putt from a foot that misses, that goes thirty feet past. <laughs> he What's hit it he too hard. He, <laughs> he, he hit it too hard. Might have overestimated how long his putt was. Good on you, Jules. I know you didn't play this week. Yeah, but we'll be back out there. This get week, to the right? range. Get that right elbow of yours right next yes. to the belly button at address and keep my, it there. I'm going to bounce my putter too. Good on you. See you, buddy. <laughs> See you next week.